1: Welcome in to episode 155 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. The Sources Say podcast is presented, as always, by our good friends at Justice Dental. You can make an appointment at one of two Lexington locations that's on Wellington Way and Blazer Parkway. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Remember that regular dental appointments are important for your overall health. You can learn more and make an appointment. At Justicedental.com. Dr. Justice and Dr. Thompson look forward to seeing you soon. I'm your host Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined for the first time making his sources say debut. Jamie Shaw of On3. Uh, It's uh, been a very new process. You just came on board uh, here recently Jamie. Uh, You are now the basketball recruiting expert for this site. Man, just kind of to get us rolling, how have you adjusted to the new role? How happy are you to be onboarded on three? And uh, just how, how's the process been?
0: Man, on on, on three is, is is awesome. It's very cutting cutting edge, kind of uh, changing up the industry, um, the recruiting industry as a whole. And obviously, the recruiting industry is is changing in its own right. On three has the foresight to kind of stick with the changes and, and lean into them. And almost kind of forecast what the changes are coming, and and go with, uh, go with that. Um, I love the the uh, way that, on three is going with the the fans, going fan site as opposed to team side. Instead of team coverage, they want to cater to the fans. They want the fans to be involved with it. They want the fans to be very interactive and stuff. And, and we all know that the lifeblood of any program, is the fans. The fans are the one that that, that, that pay the money to go to the games. The, Fans are the ones that, that they get up in arms when it comes to any decisions being made, whether on the field, whether it be a play call, whether it be a recruit. They all have opinions and they all breathe life into the brand of the university. Um, so so just the foresight that ON3 has with that was very captivating. Um, and I've been thrilled uh, for these past four weeks uh, being on the team and, and spearheading some of the uh, recruiting and uh, ranking stuff on the basketball side.
1: Well, that's why we wanted to bring you on the new on three player rankings for the class of 2022 just released today. And as you, uh, said with the team sites and, and the passion behind a lot of these fans, uh, there were a lot of passionate takes one way or the other. Some fans, uh, you know, particularly schools like Duke and Texas and, you know, some of these other schools at the top of the, these rankings, they were very pleased with how things unfolded. Uh, there were other schools that, uh, a little bit more passionate on the negative side about how things unfolded. So I thought uh, this would be a really cool opportunity to, you know, one of my biggest gripes, Jamie, is is when you get a ranking update and, you know, all the, all the outlets, 24-7 ESPN, Rivals, uh, is when they put these rankings out there and they just are what they are. You never get a chance to explain yourself you know even as as a recruiting analyst uh for for all the outlets don't get a chance to explain yourself as to why you like this guy over this guy it's just kind of it is what it is take what our rankings are leave them if you like them you like them if you don't you don't so i want i thought this was a really cool opportunity we talked uh last night with the rankings you know behind the scenes about the rankings your thoughts on some guys and and you had the idea you know i'd like the opportunity to you know put put some stuff out there, you know, what my thoughts are on individual guys. And I thought it was a great idea. Uh, So I'm really excited to kind of pick your brain a little bit about some of your decisions and, and, you know, at the top of the list, especially the Kentucky guys, why some guys, you know, went up, why they fell, uh, you know, who you're really hot on outside of Kentucky and and things like that. I think this is a cool opportunity and uh, I appreciate you coming on. It's going to be a good chance.
0: Yeah, no, I, I'm very excited. And that's one of the things, it's, you know, being very transparent when it comes to this stuff. There's no there's no frills about it. There's no clickbait stuff with it. Um, this is a very in-depth process that we at the On3 team, we go through, myself, Jerry Hamilton, um, that we go through. I mean, it, it takes time, We, you know, days, if not weeks, of, of process of, of conversation, getting everything together, um, and all that too. So, um, you know, in, in, in the form of transparency, you know, uh, we're able to speak about the kids so why not let everybody hear our thoughts as to why this kid's here why he's there and all that stuff so I'm very excited.
1: So it, it, you you talk about the process and I guess we'll start here what is the you know some guys choose rankings based on long-term potential what this kid's going to be in the NBA some rankings they come out and they're based on uh, where they are currently, you know, typically you look at, you know, future classes, it's kind of where they're, where they are right now, as opposed to, you know, the long-term potential others it's, you know, what you think they're going to be at the college level. So when doing these rankings, uh, I guess, to, to add some insight for, uh, you know, the process and how you guys go about doing things, what is, what are these rankings based off of uh, as a kind of a, a collective unit? what? made you pick you know one one kid over the other was it long-term potential is this a, a future uh, a future cast is this what they are currently a, as things stand uh, right now and what is the kind of fluidity with uh, with all of them
0: well it's a very inexact science uh there, there's a lot of feel and experience that's involved with it um in the projections um but i guess a long story short with it Um, you want to be able to look back at the the rankings in five years. So let's say the class of 2022, we want to look at it in the the year 2027, be able to look back on it and say, okay, that makes sense. This guy, number one, this guy, number two, this guy, number three, on down the list, whether that be NBA one and done, whether that be an NBA all-star, whether that be a great college career at the appropriate level, whatever the case, it makes sense right now. Like say in 2022, we look back at 2017, and we're able to look at those rankings right now and have a discussion. Okay, how did how did XYZ do with these rankings? And, and we have a pretty well understanding at that time, looking back, with no real criteria. It's not necessarily NBA. It's not necessarily college. It's not, it's not necessarily wins, all that stuff. But you and I have a conversation right now. We look back at the 2017 rankings. We have a good idea as to, okay, this guy should have been here, should have been here, should have been here. You know, the revisionist stuff. So what we try to do here is we try to project out five years and see, will we look crazy looking back on this class,
1: um, at that point in time. So, uh, looking at the top of your list, um, before we get into the Kentucky players in particular, uh, is there one thing that you value more than another, you know, uh, athleticism and length versus, you know, pure skill and scoring, did, did you value uh, versatility? Did you value defensive intensity? What what was something that kind of uh, just kind of going down the, from one through five, uh, it appears that versatility on both ends of the floor is kind of something that maybe stuck out, stuck out to you, Kyle Filipowski, Dylan Mitchell, Derek Lively uh, being one, two, three, three very versatile, um, you know, high impact guys on both ends of the floor. Is that something that uh, stood out to you during this process?
0: Well, it's not necessarily one thing in particular. What we do is we take each individual's profile. We'll say, we'll say Dylan Mitchell. What does what what does he hang his hat on? What's his skill set? Well, the defensive versatility. Then we look and see how does that translate from the next level, and then we say, okay, so he's an elite. Even for an NBA player, he's an elite athlete. He can be a switchable, versatile guy on defense, guard up and down a lineup, and be. A, but then we look at it. Does the other parts of his game, will that bring him down from being able to do that at the highest level and everything? So, yes, you, you have to have, you know, a well-rounded game all the way around, but it's more so projectability, translatability, I guess. Is translatability a word? It well, is it's today. It's
1: going to be we'll one. We'll make
0: today. it one right now. Does what he does translate, what what he hangs his hat on, what his um, identity is, does it translate to the highest level? You know, with Cal Filipowski, his passing, his floor vision, his IQ, his toughness is, is kind of what he what he does. And that's something with the success that Nikola Jokic has had in the, in the NBA. A lot, you know, a lot of people for the past five, 10 years, it's been shooting. Well, Jokic has kind of reversed that around. Now, now some teams are looking at the passing, the floor vision. Can they can they have five guys on the floor, one through five, who can all pass and move the ball? Uh, And all that. And then you have to look at the other stuff surrounding it as well. You know, the fact you know that Filipowski himself, 6'11", 235 pounds, strong, versatile, could handle the ball, could shoot the ball, does all that type of stuff as well. The athleticism is going to be a question. But he does all that other stuff so well and his IQ so so much. You know, the the, the lateral quickness, who's the guard stuff, isn't necessarily as much as a question as the other positive stuff. So looking into it, it's, it, it, it's, it's not any one thing in particular, but how does what they do translate?
1: Yeah, I, I I like that thought that method of thinking, and uh, I that's part of the reason why I'm a big fan of of Casein Wallace at five. That's Kentucky's first uh, signee of uh, on the list. Uh, he comes in, he moves up one from the previous ranking, from six to number five. Uh, what is it that you like about Casein Wallace, and why did you think that uh, he was deserving of a top five? spot in these updated rankings i personally love his versatility on both ends of the floor. i think he's a winner through and through uh, i think he's going to be a, a, an incredible college player at, especially at a school like kentucky uh, i think he thrives under the spotlight and and uh, a lot of the the winning things that you love about a player he definitely has those but um you do the ranking so you w- what made him a top five player in your eyes
0: well and also too when you mentioned Casey walls the first one we also have to take into account as well Shaden Sharp was a part of this class as well. He was recruited initially to come into this class. Things were reworked and everything. He enrolled earlier, too. So, you know, you had the number one at the time guy also in 2022 who's going to probably end up being a lottery pick in the future. So, you know, can't can't forget that. Just wanted to mention that as well.
1: Actually, before before we do go, Casein, where would Shaden have fallen in this updated ranking had he st- stuck with this class of 2022? I think that's the
0: something- we didn't have this discussion so i can't speak for for what jerry would have said or anything he would, for me he probably would have been number 1 it would have been a conversation between him and him him and philipowski but shaden probably would have been number 1 and i probably would have pushed for him in that in that situation so um you know uh, yeah
1: what was it what is it about shaden that you like assuming that we do get to see him play at kentucky that's kind of one of the biggest uh talking points for fans right now is hoping that we do get to see him play at one point. What, uh, we actually got to watch a lot of these games together at Peach Jam this summer, and, and I remember back when he wasn't a top, I think at the time he might have been eight or nine, I think he was still in that top ten, uh, but I, I remember back then we were having conversations together where you we were like, that looks like the number one player in the country. Uh, just for the fans listening, what what is it about Shaden that you like as that number one player in the class?
0: He's got the positional size, he's got the athleticism, the length, um, what he really showed, especially in that peach jam bubble, was his shot-making ability. Um, his, his shooting, he was on a team where he was the node focal point. He, he did most of the ball handling. He had to do most of the scoring. And he was still able to find ways to get his shots, whether it be attacking closeout mid-range pull-ups, whether it be shooting from 30 feet out, uh, whether it be getting all the way to the rim and, and finishing through some contact. Um, things were still a little bit raw at the time. There's still going to need to be some tightening of the handle, still need to be some, some strength put on and everything. But it was very clear that he had everything positionally that you look for in an NBA shooting guard.
1: Yeah, I, I like the way he explodes through people, not around people. I know uh, one of the biggest gripes about B.J. Boston last year, uh, Cal kept saying over and over again, it, stop with the fl- Flipsy do was the word that uh, that he used. He would kind of uh, go around contact and throw throw it off the backboard. I, I like the way Shaden explodes through guys on top of his three level scoring ability. I'm a big, big fan of Shaden Sharp here on the Sources Say podcast, as one could expect. But uh, sh- uh, shifting ba- gears back to Case and Wallace. Uh, what was it that made him that, that number five player in your class?
0: Um, with, with him, it's not really any one thing. He, he doesn't have necessarily something you can pinpoint and say he does not do that well. He does everything across the board well. What he does that I think just elevates everything is winning. He wins. How he wins, I think he's an unbelievable teammate who's able to accept being somebody else being the main guy and him feeding into that. But with being a good teammate, I think he elevates the play of everybody on the floor around him on both ends of the court. So he, he has no problem guarding the other team's best player. He has no problem initiating the offense. He has no problem with playing beside a point guard and him being the, the shooting guard. Um, I think a player kind of like that along the same lineage, maybe, that Kentucky's seeing this year is Ty Ty Washington. Um, you know, Ty Ty Washington, he, he's a tough, just tough. Kaysen's got that same toughness. Tata Washington is comfortable playing a little bit on the ball as a secondary initiator with some vision. He's comfortable playing off the ball besides severe, knocking down shots and creating. Kaysen's kind of got some of that same stuff. Now I'm not saying that they're the same player, but those same kind of qualities that they have, um, I, I think Kaysen kind of uh, embodies as well. And his teams just win at a, at, a, at a high level. And his teammates play better when he's there.
1: In terms of weaknesses, uh, I think a lot of has been made uh, about everything he does. If, if it feels like he's very good at everything but not great at any one thing. What do you think kind of brings him down a little bit, you know, if he is such a winner, if he does have have that two-way uh, ability? Uh, what do you think kind of brings him down just a little bit? What, what would you classify his uh, biggest weaknesses are, if any?
0: I think that he's more of a complementary player than a than a focal player um and, and that's kind of that, that's kind of the, the drawback with it i, I don't know that necessarily there, there are any weaknesses or what so it's just he's more of a complimentary guy um as opposed to being the guy
1: yeah i think that's that's fair and i think there's a lot of questions about the the point guard position is he a point guard what what is he at the next level and i think uh, I think he does have one through three ability, but I do think he's going to translate more as a, a two, maybe even a, a small ball three, kind of the way Isaiah Briscoe was used in that 2016-17 team, assuming that Shaden Sharp does come back. And I think that he slots in very well at that that two spot. Uh, and then at the point guard position, I'm, I'm hearing that Saver Wheeler, is a, there's a nice chance he ends up coming back. So that three headed monster in the backcourt, I think is definitely one that uh, is appealing to Kentucky fans with Sky Clark being the uh, complimentary piece off the bench at for Where as that fourth guard option, we'll absolutely talk about him because he was one of the most pol- polarizing picks of the the entire recruiting process. But we'll talk about him in just a bit. Uh, the next man up is Chris Livingston, a guy that you guys had at number four to start with. He takes it. He takes a little bit of a stumble. He falls down to number nineteen. Uh, we talked last night. Uh, you really don't see a whole lot of difference, you know, one through 19, one through 20, that it is a, a very good class with a lot of, um, you know, switchability. There's arguments to be made about a lot of things. But what was it that you think um, made Chris fall as much as he did in uh, the uh, uh, explanation behind that?
0: My questions with Chris are his long term upside. Um, what I love about Chris is his toughness i think he he doesn't mind going in and doing the tough guy things um that a lot of people just kind of shy away from um he's kind of, he's got an alpha mentality about him um and, and he's okay with being the focal point with bringing on and and, and winning 50 50 balls and rebounding and and, and guarding you know he, he likes that type of stuff and that's where his production comes in at and he's and he's a very productive player lots of double doubles and and lots of um you know all all this type of stuff in the game, my, my questions with him come with: How does that project looking way forward um, toward, toward the NBA? I think he's got a little stiffness in his hips. Um, I, I think that the, the drives are straight line. When you cut off the straight line, I, I worry about the kind of the counters. What he has, what he, what he has in his bag to come off of that? If you get in front of him, the, a lot of times he continues to go through the play. Um, and maybe get a little bit out of control, off balance, as opposed to regrouping, maybe a, a spin move, a crossover, a hesitation, some sort of some some sort of wiggle type move, um, you know, to, to continue getting back to, then you know, seeing the floor questions, jump shot questions um, within his play uh, on that. That being said, like I said, he's able to. I don't want to say get away with a lot of that, but he's able to play at a high level with a lot of that those question marks because. Of the tough guy stuff, the intensity he plays with, and his willingness to stick his nose, um, in there—a a football term that I've heard before—he's, he, you know, puts his face in the fan and likes it, like, like he, he's willing to stick his nose in there and, and 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 produce.
1: One of my biggest questions that I had uh, about Chris Livingston, and I asked, you know, Coach Steve Smith at at Oak Hill, I asked, uh, what is it about Chris that th- it feels like? Uh, two games at a you know five at an event he seems he seems to disappear at times that he's he plays uh, almost with with passiveness where uh, when he's assertive and when he you know you know forces the issue when he's that type of player I think he's among the best players in, in high school basketball and I think that's where a lot of that top five uh, ranking came from to start with, but I, I have had my issues and I've said this on the show with his in with, you know, the inconsistencies in the motor. Uh, I I do think, like you said, I I think he's an alpha, but I have had concerns with consistency. And I think, uh, the last several weeks I have been impressed. I watched him up at hoop hall and I was very impressed with, uh, when he has forced the issue. I think he he's dominant and I think he's starting to hopefully click with himself that when he when he does assert himself he he can be that dominant player and play up to that kind of top 5 top 10ish ranking so my question to you is does he have more upside if he does show that that level of consistency and that kind of locked in motor at, at you know every viewing that you have of him moving forward uh, when the final rankings do come out do you think that there is room for growth with a guy like him if uh, if he is able to show Uh, and and, you know, the all-star circuit and the things like that coming up, uh, if, if there is room for growth there, if, if he does show, you know, he's more locked in.
0: Every ranking is, is fluid. Um, what we do is, is right now for these last three weeks, we take a snapshot in time and we collect all the data that we have on every individual player, whether that be the, the, the stats, whether that be the viewings, the, the, you know, we, we, we look at what we see physically, how they move, you know, the the intel that we get on the back end from college coaches, from high school coaches, from players they play against, AAU coaches, other scouts, regional scouts, every single ranking is a snapshot into the background and all the information that we have on each individual player. That means after, after Geico, that means after um, we have the McDonald's rankings, after the rest of the season plays out, we'll have a different snapshot than what we have right now, where there will be more multiple viewings of these players there'll be more data collected there'll be more uh viewings as i said and and stats and production and and all that type of stuff so all that to say everything's fluid with it and and there's gonna be a new snapshot in a couple of months that we take it's gonna be completely different from this snapshot there's gonna be more viewings there will be more time that we see and if if we see chris improving the questions that we have then absolutely he, he could he could jump up um The upside's there. I think you mentioned it prior. Uh, You know, for me, Filipowski was kind of a no-brainer, number one. There wasn't necessarily really anybody else in the conversation um, with that, but getting from two to about 19 or 20 or so, there can be arguments made for any player in that ranking to be 10 spots higher or 10 spots lower. And that's what makes this class so unique, is that the inconsistency of the play, because every player there has great showings and then they, they they have some secondary showings and you know they they, they do have a great quarter and then a whatever and nobody's really kind of distancing themselves so that's what makes this class so unique and, and why these conversations are so important to have um, as to what on three snapshot is at the time of this ranking and, and what data we're collecting on with each of these players and, that, and that's going to change it, it changes every 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 viewing every couple months you shift and have a new snapshot and like i said absolutely Chris will have a couple more showings he'll be he'll be in some all-star games he'll be in the geicos he'll have games left to play in the season and if those questions start to become answered if we're comfortable with those questions being answered that we have
1: he can absolutely move up in terms of the wing position uh what was it uh, the guys ahead of him, that maybe were that he was uh, ahead of before uh, what was it about some of these other guys that, that stuck out to you as, you know, even if there is uh, just a a slight difference, you know, not a whole lot of separation from two to 19, what was it that put some of the other wings uh, ahead of him just slightly above?
0: I think you hit it with the consistency, the consistency, and then, you know, um, projecting projectability, projecting forward, what he um you know what what he has and what he does going from level to
1: level so one of those guys that uh, another kind of polar polarizing prospect that uh he has seen his stock take a hit in the last several months you know through peach jam coming out of peach jam uh was jarris walker he was a guy that was kind of seen as another one of those when his motor is clicking he's awesome but how often can you get that? He has impressed as of late, and, and, and in our conversation li- last night, you said that you liked uh, how consistent he has been. Uh, wh- kind of what's the justification for moving him up from 32 to 7? Similar type of style of player that, you know, kind of wing versatile, maybe small ball four, could maybe play the three, kind of the, what we're going to get out of, of Chris Livingston at this next level. What was it that you saw uh, Jerris R- Walker jump 25 spots as opposed to Chris Livingston falling as far as he did?
0: Uh, well, again, we, we had this talk last night as well, and, and you know, the 25 spots, um, just wanted to, you know, reiterate, I wasn't involved in the last rankings and everything, and yeah. so, again, these rankings are kind of an entirely new new snapshot, new voices in the room, uh, new conversations to be had and everything as well, new viewing, separate viewings, and all that type of stuff, too. So, um, the, the jump, I don't necessarily really think is something that, that fans, people, whatever, should necessarily pay attention to. Um, yeah. That being said, with Jairus Walker, going back to the top 100 camp, for me, in my games that I watched, you were there as well. There was, what, two courts, sometimes three courts going on at the same time in order to get a good scouting view of it, focus on one court while while two other te- four four other teams, two other courts are going on at the same time, focus on one court, get that read on the player. So I didn't get to see every game that he played at the top 100 camp. The games I did the, – the three or four or five games I did focus in on him on, even the three-on-three three play and the drills – he was one of the best players there. He was in the conversation for the best, most productive player there, in my opinion. Going into the season with IMG, obviously they have this new NIBC league um, that's being played where they have eight teams from around the country, what some would say are the most consistently top teams um, that are in the country, and they have a league. I think they have, what, three stops this year? Mm-hmm. In IMG's games, 10 games maybe they played, Jairus Walker has consistently, in the games that I have seen again, been in the conversation for the best player on the floor in all the games he's been able to do get where he wants on the court and do what he wants to do. And maybe imposing his will on the competition in the game. Um, each single time that he's played the consistency of that performance has fed from the top 100 camp to the NIBC. Um, and, and I think that, that that's, I don't think he was being rewarded jumping up for that consistency at a high level, being in the conversation as the best player on every floor that he walked on on floors that are filled with high level players. Um, you know, him coming out as, 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 as the alpha or in the conversation from the top, that was rewarded.
1: So the big player of, uh, of discussion, we gotta, we, we gotta address the, the significant elephant in the room. Uh, sky Clark takes a, a tumble and not just a tumble, a, a Significant tumble. He's always kind of be seen as that player in that uh, fifteen to twenty five ish range. Uh, on three, had him at, at twenty one in the previous uh, update. He falls to forty four, and this is a guy that uh, has gone through a lot. He, you know, suffered the the knee injury, and he's uh, worked his way back. And he, uh, you know tried to expedite the process came back a little bit earlier than I think a lot of people were anticipating. Um, You know, the fact that he was out there is even just a a tip of the cap to him. I mean, that's, that's toughness. And uh, you know, he really wanted to to be out there. So uh, I understand there was, there's some back and forth and and, uh, how you rank a guy coming out of injury, how you look at, uh, you know, him in the current scope, as you said, uh, in this current snapshot how you look at a guy like sky clark it's a it's a t- it's a tough way to grade him no matter how you grade him uh, whether you want to give him the benefit of the doubt by putting him higher or knocking him for for going lower uh, it's a tough call and I, I i commend you for making the call but why is it that you you made the one that you did um putting him at 44 overall
0: so with sky you know going back to every every individual rankings a snapshot you know as we talked about previously Sky going into his, um, into his uh, knee injury, so much of his game was predicated on, on the explosion and the pop, um, and, and, and he had the skill set and everything to go along with it too, but that, that explosion and pop kind of took it to the next the next level of what it was. Since his knee injury and coming back, he hasn't shown that same pop, that same explosion that he's had in his game. So, you know, kind of in the snapshot that we've had, you know, him, him, him being hurt in what, June, I believe, at the end of June or, or May or June, and July, then all yeah. the way until now, and then coming back like three, three weeks ago. Um, obviously, he didn't have a July. He didn't have a preseason. He didn't have a camp circuit and all that type of stuff. Um, and then seeing him when he's come back in these last three weeks, he hasn't shown that same pop um, that he's had in his game. He, he showed the skill set. The jump shot might have even improved. Um, he's taking that very comfortably and it looks clean coming off the hand. Um, but the ability to get to his spots, the ability to blow by his man um, in the half court just hasn't come back yet. With that being said, we'll have another snapshot after Montver- the rest of Montverde season after Geico's after maybe a couple of camps um, or, or whatnot, probably not camps, but I, I, there's a, there's a three month period in here of games that we'll be able to see him play. Um, To where we'll see how how the injury continues to go back. And it's so hard to project injuries, especially, you know, when you have knees and and blowouts and stuff like that. One, does the athleticism come back? But two, does the confidence of the mental side of things uh, come back as well? And the mental side of things can take time um, when it comes to rehab, when it comes to injuries, the confidence to to be able to burst and plant and land, um, you know, in a similar way that you had. It takes repetitions. It takes time um, with all that, and some, sometimes it doesn't come back. Most of the time, it does. But it, it, you know, we can go by what we have seen so far from his play during his rehab at current state, and um, you know that, that's where we have him now. That's not to say that moving forward over the next couple of um, couple of weeks, a you know, couple of months, when we do it again, that he he he, he won't be d- different. You know, th- this could be a huge a huge jump to be had there. Um, but we, again, this this snapshot from what we the data and stuff the viewings that we have at this point in time right now.
1: So uh, I asked you this question last night. I thought you got gave a very insightful answer, and I, I would like uh, the listeners to to hear this as well. Uh, do you think it, it's fair to punish a kid uh, for? rushing back you know this is a he came back in in record time 5 months uh in a torn ACL very well could have sat out the rest of the year said you know I'm done um is it fair to knock a kid for rushing back knowing that he's not going to be uh his full self uh, what what we've seen of him in the past um is it fair to 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 punish him for rushing that process back and, and trying to help his team win, even if it's at a, at 80% or 75% or whatever, versus if he had made that decision to sit out the remainder of the year and said, you know, I, I'm going to start preparing for Kentucky. And, uh, you know, my high school career is done. Uh, how, how did that kind of play on your mind in terms of trying to decide, uh, if he should kind of stay put where he is fall, just a couple spots or, uh, and again, I know you didn't do the, the last rankings, this was kind of a current state of where you are in your first run at it, but um, how did you kind of weigh those factors as well? Uh, The punishment versus the, you know, keeping things where he is as things are now.
0: Yeah. um, I wouldn't necessarily call it punishment. I don't think we punished him for coming back, whatever the case may be. Um, It's more so of just where he's at. Like he's had games since coming back. He's had multiple games uh, since coming back. And, you know we can't go by what he was prior to an injury because something significant did happen to him and, and there's going to have to be time for you know for, for rehab and all that type of stuff co- coming ahead um so what we in this ranking it, it came at, a, at an an opportune time for sky um you know personally and and the the rankings were, were were not punished by any stretch of the imagination um just gone by what we saw the viewings that we had, the live viewings, the TV viewings, talking um, to people around him and everything of, of, of where he's at currently, um, you know, and, 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 and that's where we felt, felt he was at currently in this snapshot of, of time.
1: So I guess um, big picture here for Kentucky fans to get a, a realistic idea of what to expect when he does get to Kentucky. Say it's a perfect world say it's Sky Clark, as you see, I've, you know, I know you've seen him in the past at his best when he has been a top 15, top 20-ish player in the country. Uh, what is it that you like about his game at his best if he is able to overcome the mental side of things, if he is able to, to you know, get that athleticism and that lateral quickness and the, all those things that you liked about his game before, if he does show all of that at, at Kentucky. What is it that you like about his game in particular uh that I guess can talk Kentucky fans down a little bit from the oh my gosh our star point guard that's supposed to be anchoring the front or anchoring the backcourt is, you know, a, a four-star top 45 player in the country.
0: Uh yeah, so he um his burst was what was so um so intriguing about him prior to injury and everything. His burst coupled with the control that he had, with that he, he he played he played on balance, and fast. He was able to get up around the rim, and he has a, a strong frame, um, that that he's able to take contact and still finish, and have the ability um, to 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 take that contact and, and not get knocked off balance and still finish the play, stay on his feet or stay online, finish the play through. Uh, since his since he's come back, he's shown a consistent jump shot. You know, he had a game winner a couple of weeks ago. Uh, in the championship of the of the Mount Vernon Invitational against Calvary Christian, um, you know he, he had the game winning jump shot off the catch, knocked it down. The jump shot's gotten smooth, so it, it, it'll be getting that burst back, the confidence to take the bumps and take the hits while you're while you're moving, while you're planting, and still finish through getting obviously the conditioning back, not being on your feet for f- five months or whatnot, getting the conditioning back and and all that as well. Um, and integrating this new it's not new but integrating this jump shot integrating how to um you know the, the stuff that he developed during being injured integrating that within what he had as well there's a lot of stuff in there very, very positive things that Scott has a lot in there um you know and, and, and in five months that's just so fast like you mentioned um it's almost like having to retool and 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 just get back out there and 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 do it Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: So kind of rounding out uh, the Kentucky side of things, and we're going to transition a little bit into uh, the guys that you loved and, and, you know, saw massive jumps in the rankings and, and, uh, you know, guys that you wanted to, to single out as, as high impact guys and, and, Uh, you know, see why a couple other guys fell. Uh, Last question I have about the Kentucky side. How do you think these three pieces in particular work together? uh, And especially alongside Shaden Sharp, assuming he does come back next season. um, How do you think this class as a whole, uh, seeing the chemistry and and, uh, how impressive this current team is? I know that's something Kentucky Kentucky. fans are really hoping for next year. Uh, How do you think this work, uh, this group works together kind of as a, a cohesive unit?
0: Yeah, I don't. I, I I think there's a lot. I I love the play that they have now. Of um, you know, you, you look at kind of archetypes. Um, K has has had a very successful year this year with specific type of player archetypes. You have a, you know, a paint touch type point guard. At his healthiest, Sky Clark is a paint touch type point guard. You have a combo guard who can act as a one or two and, and kind of glues everything together in Case of Wallace, like Tata. Um, and and then you have a it's going to be interesting to see how he does w- with Chris Livingston. I think he's a four man. Um, Agreed. So you know how he plays him at, at the four spot. Um, you haven't necessarily seen. I guess maybe Keon Brooks, but they're completely different players. But you know six seven and just a just a mismatch problem um, that, that he can have uh, on that. I don't know that he's necessarily had that player archetype, but Livingston fits with Sky and Kaysen. Um, you know moving forward and, and Kay's done an unbelievable job of finding the pieces that he has and then fitting what he does around those pieces um you know throughout the years um again, every single team obviously in the through the one and done era now through the transfer portal era, every single team has different pieces, different players in it um different different attitudes and egos and everything with that he's done a great job of morphing molding everything together into one cohesive unit um to be able to to move forward and especially, this Kentucky team is no different. Kentucky usually hits its stride in mid-January and then just goes on unbelievable run to end the year and all that. And, you know, there's some shaky starts at the beginning of this year, hit the stride in January, and then, you know, they, they've been one of the best teams in the country.
1: So transitioning a little bit into uh, the guys that you were in love with in this process, guys that, you know, not even Kentucky-related, but guys that you knew. You wanted to to make a a statement with where they were and and that you were very confident. Obviously, Dylan Mitchell is a guy that nobody has even remotely close to where uh, you decided to put him. Filipowski's always kind of been in that, you know, know, top five ish range over the last several months. So I I don't think it's it's that out of question to say that it was it was, uh, you know, him being at one was was that much of a shock. Um, He's certainly played that way. But who are some of those other guys that you saw in this process? That you wanted to make a statement with obviously Leonard Miller is a guy that has been unranked he barely even has a profile in a lot of these other uh, services, Uh, who are some of those guys that you wanted to make a statement with in this class as this guy is a clear top five ish prospect, this is a clear top 15 ish prospect, Uh, I want to make sure that the world knows knows that with our rankings.
0: Yeah, sure. No, I mean, I don't think any of these guys on their own merit were, were statement guys. Uh, we, we went through uh, again, and, and we started from started from scratch basically. Myself and Jerry got on a call. We went through. We made sure that we've seen uh, every player um, between the two of us. We made sure that we've gone through the film and talked and and researched about it. Like I said, it was it was a, it was a, it was a process, and, and, and every player stands stands on its own merit. Um, so I don't necessarily think that we made statements with anybody um, but we truly feel that everybody in this ranking is slotted for this point in time, appropriately looking at Kyle Filipowski um, up at the top, he's had a dominant year. You know, he played head to head against uh, Derek Lively early early in the year, 22 points, 13 rebounds. Um, You know, he, he dominated and controlled the the pace of the game. What we saw from him in the first week session, one of of the Peach jam, he was, he was the most dominant player in the entire event. Every single time on the floor, you know at, at, at Nike's event he was unbelievable and he's continued that throughout the season he's had multiple four star five star matchups and and he's controlled the pace of the game every single time um and I don't I don't think that's in question that's why for me there wasn't a question as to who the number one player was it was Filipowski he's earned it he's gotten there now for number 2 Dylan Mitchell you look at what Dylan Mitchell does he's he's elite athletically his, his, his athleticism he walks on an NBA floor right now is one of the best athletes on the floor Um, he's got the length, the positional size. What he's done, the step that he's taken this year is he's understood his game and how to do it. And I also think, too, what eased my mind a little bit is seeing an archetype of a player have success like him. Again, different players, but Kendall Brown's game, there's a lot of similarities in how they're able to perform, how they're able to get production with their off-ball cutting, with their functional athleticism. Um, with their ability to defend multiple positions. I think uh, it it helps to see a player archetype of somebody. When there's a lot of questions, it helps to see that player archetype of somebody having success at the next level. And and that's what Dylan Mitchell is. You can see the clear path, what he's going to be. And you can see that he's understanding as to how he needs to, to get there uh, with him. Leonard Miller, Leonard Miller is somebody that burst onto the scene two 18 months ago. He was a six foot four shooting guard. Who was the, who was the 10th man at Wasatch Academy. In the time that he's left Wasatch Academy, he's grown to 6'10", 2'10". He's still got the guard skills. I mean, he's a 40% three-point shooter, left-handed. He plays, he plays point guard for his high school team, initiating 95% of the offense. He can initiate from the elbow, from the mid-post. He can initiate, bring the ball across half court, grab and go off the rebound. And, and, and he's leading the entire country of Canada right now in scoring at 32 per game. He's leading the grind session in scoring, you know, putting up 32 per game. Um, he's a double-double every time out on the floor with – you know, the the potential five, six, seven, eight assists with, you know, three, four, five, six steals with block shots and all that. And he's just growing. He's only 18 years old, just growing into his body and frame and to who he is and what he is as a prospect right now. So he's already got the production at a high level and there's still some beautiful ceiling left to go to where he can continue getting better and better uh, with Leonard Miller.
1: I guess kind of side note on that. Uh, he's an, an unknown guy. He's, he's had a couple high profile offers. Do you have any insight on, on his recruitment uh, and who could be uh, in the running for that? I know it's late in the process, uh, but he is a, a Canadian kid. He does have the, you know, he is connected to that you um, play program, plays for Dwayne Washington, um, t- former teammate of Shaden Sharp. So there's that kind of connection. Uh, I know me kind of taking a step back makes me think, okay, well, you know, could this guy potentially be, if Shaden Sharp does decide to go pro, could he kind of step in and, and take his his spot at, at Kentucky? That's obviously down the road if it unfolds that way. But um, who do you kind of see as a uh, as a favorite for Leonard Miller or some of the top contenders that you think could uh, could make a run in his recruitment?
0: Well, right now, so, so his brother is a, is a starter at TCU. Uh, he's the third leading scorer for TCU, Emmanuel Miller. Uh, right now, six foot seven. He just transferred from Texas A&M. Texas A&M. He averaged 17 a game last year, I believe. Transferred to TCU, um, doing all that. So TCU is the only official visit that he's taken. Um, there's also a lot of talk about Alabama in the mix. They do a good job. They they have a Canadian pipeline in there. Um, Oklahoma State really pushing for him as well. He's got other offers: Wake Forest, Kansas, um, all this type of stuff as well. He's not necessarily going to uh, talking to him recently. He's not necessarily going to really look at the recruiting side until. Um, after the season, there's also a pro aspect to him. He could also go straight into the draft. He could also go to the G League um, and all that type of stuff as well. When I was sitting there watching him, there was uh, 10 NBA scouts in the the stands as well. Rod Strickland was there uh, watching also. So um, ultimately he knows that he's grown into an NBA prospect. Um, Now it's just a matter of picking the best path that's going to help him have sustained success at the NBA level, not necessarily – Get there the quickest, but have the most sustained success for that second, third, fourth contract uh, in the league.
1: Yeah, a lot, a lot of inciting, uh, insightful stuff there. Two guys that I, I think kind of emerged as you know two of the best scorers in in all of high school basketball. You, you know, kind of fan favorites uh, of sorts. Keontae George and Nick Smith. Two guys that um, it on three has lower than pretty much anybody else out there. I know Nick Smith was a guy that uh, I and some of the other outlets they pushed him up to, you know, top five, you know, maybe even the top NBA prospect in in all of high school basketball. So what was it that about those two guys in particular, Keontae and uh, Nick Smith, that you just weren't all the way sold on? Obviously, they're still top 15 prospects. So we're, you know, being nitpicky here. But what was it that didn't put them over the edge uh, as top five prospects as opposed to top 15 prospects?
0: Well, I don't think it was necessarily anything that these guys specifically did themselves, but also what the other guys have done. When it comes to, to Keontae George, he's been, a, you know, highly thought of for such a long time. Um, you know, you, you think about what he is and what he does as a player and, and how that translates moving forward. When you see Nick Smith, he's kind of been a little bit more coming on of late. At the time, I think when we were watching him at Peach Jam, he was probably, what, 40s, 35, 45 mm-hmm. or so in the country and, and comfortably there. Um, then, he, then he goes for 30 against Team Final in the Peach Jam Finals on the biggest stage with everybody watching. And that kind of started his upward trajectory. Um, you know, he's high school teammates with Khalil Ware uh, down at North Little Rock High School. Um, and he's, you know, he's he steadily gotten better. I mean, he's he, – he, I said previously, I, I'm talking on both sides of my mouth at this point in time, but I said previously don't look at the previous rankings or whatever. But if you do take a look at the previous rankings, he jumped. Yeah. Um, you know, so he, he still rose. So he's still on an upward trajectory. And us looking at these rankings as our rankings, as our official thoughts, not keeping the outside noise from other services out, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not necessarily what each guy does bad, but also what the other, other players, you know, Keontae George is still in the top 10. um, What these other players have done to kind of progress themselves as well.
1: Um, Another kind of polarizing guy that Kentucky briefly flirted with. I know there was some potential mutual interest there. Um, late in the process as a, as a potential center, center option was Johan Traor. And that's a, a guy that some other people haven't been as high on recently. I know that there were some concerns, uh, you know, with with Motor and, you know, what, what he is as a defender. Um, and you thought he was the, no, number six in the country. What was it about Johan that you like uh, and separates him uh, at that center position? Um,
0: the way he moves um he he just moves unlike a way 610 a lot of times people do he's able to move his feet on the perimeter he's able to to switch kind of on pick and rolls guard uh you know guard, guard the ball handler and move his feet and not get beat he's got fluid hips he's able to open up his hips he can guard and you know and drop coverage if need be or he can he can switch over and and take a charge Offensively, his game's still a little bit raw, but it's coming around. He's able to, to, to grab, rip through, face up. He prefers to be facing up as opposed to on the block. The jump shots, knocking it down pretty consistently. Um, in my times that I have seen him going back to July onto the top 100 camp and three or four times this this season that I've seen him play, he, he, he's he been really, really good. Um, now I hear that there's been other times where he, he's been a little bit more inconsistent or whatever, but in, like I said, in the games that I have specifically been courtside to watch him play, um, he's been really good. He showed promise. He's shown consistently the ability to knock down the three-point shot to where you know as he's not a 40% guy by any stretch, but you have to you have to consider it. He's also able to, if you close out sloppily, or if he gets a, a bigger guy on him to drive by him, rip through him, finish at the rim, either dunking it, finger rolling it, whatever the case might be. He's just a really good, fluid athlete that, that that's almost like a ball of clay. That's in the process of being molded and being molded in a very effective way with still some ceiling to go um, and the ability to be able to um, tax more onto that as he, as he progresses. But, but for, for me, it's the way that he moves and the progression that he's shown within his skill set at the time uh, that, that's keeping him at the top, toward the top of the list.
1: And uh, Adem Bona was another very familiar name with, Kentucky, with fans. Kentucky fans. Uh, UK was right there in the thick of things for him. He is now at number 15 overall. What is it that uh, you didn't see as a top 10-ish player in the country that I think he was uh, with some of these other services? And uh, there was some hype for him about you know being in that range. What was it that you like about him but – didn't see uh, enough of uh that things you want to see more of out of him uh, as he kind of transitions out of high school and going to ucla um
0: well with him he uh he's such a ferocious player i'm not saying again that he's anything like this guy but i think you're currently seeing what an archetype or player like him at, on the kentucky program with Oscar shibwe now Oscar Shebue, he's a generational talent when it comes mm-hmm. to rebounding. Nobody is, is as good as him. I'm not saying that Dembowa is good, as good as him, but he's a similar type of archetype to have the similar to, to have that lineage of success at the next level. He, he he's strong, he's powerful, he's long, he's athletic, and he's got a motor just to go get the dang ball, just go get the ball. Offensively, he's he's developing we've seen him be able to grab the ball at the top of the key, get downhill and just ferociously dunk it, plays well in the dunker spots. He rolls well off screens um, and he tries to dunk everything within 10 feet. Um, you know, you're going to have questions just like kind of with Oscar, you're going to have questions as to the, the offensive side, the rawness and and all that type of stuff. But there's just a real sense of production there where he's going to be one of the most athletic guys on the floor, one of the strongest guys on the floor. He's going to have the one of the best noses to go get the ball on that side of the floor. And he's going to keep coming at you for the entire time that he's on the floor. And, and there's there's a lot to like with that. And 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 it may take a little bit of time, just like it did Oscar, it may take a little bit of time to get adjusted at that next level when you have bigger, more athletic, all that type of stuff guys. But there's something to him with his ability just to keep, just to keep coming. Uh, in that frame with that motor, with that athleticism.
1: Hopefully it's a similar situation with Oscar as well. And we see him hit the portal and uh, uh, go where he needed to be from the start. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's get you out of here with this. Uh, what ne- give me some of the, the unsung heroes, guys that you saw uh, during this process that, that, you know, really impressed you that uh, I, I kind of touched on this a little bit earlier that not necessarily you wanted to make a statement with, but somebody that you think was deserving of the ranking that you, you put them on, uh, you know, one of the highest risers in the classroom, guys like that, uh, that, that you were really confident of guys that you were like this, this is my ranking. I'm very confident that I have, it. I know, uh the, uh, the compass prep center, Adrame Deongue is a guy that went from unranked to, you know, number 36 in the new, new on three rankings. So guys like that, that you feel pretty confident in moving forward and, uh, feel confident in their growth.
0: So obviously we, we touched on Leonard Miller earlier. Um, uh, you know, I, I really like him. Um, there's a guy Guillermo Diaz he's at IMG he came over from Spain Canary Islands um we inserted him pretty highly into the rankings seven foot he's got a twin brother um Jorge um seven foot from the Canary Islands he played this summer with the U18 Spanish team um he's down at IMG now playing for the academic team um down at IMG very fluid skilled long um he's able to shoot handle and pass at seven foot tall he's about 205 pounds um just a lot of upside there um D'Angu, he's another one. Um, his ability to, to move, he's hes legit seven foot tall, he's long, but his ability to move is just so polarizing. You just don't see that so much from, um, you know, uh, bigs. And, and he's only been playing basketball for three years. He grew up playing soccer, um, all that type of stuff. Um, but he's developing every single time you see him. He's hes adding a little bit more to his game. He's, he's you know, always been able to play out of dunker spots, put back dunks, all that stuff. Now he's able to, to face up and, and take a dribble or two and get to a spot. Um, as he continues to put on strength, get confident, and play more, he's one that could continue to rise. Riley Kugel's another one, a uh, Dr. Phillips High School out of Orlando, Florida, six foot five. He's going to Mississippi State. Um, he's just a he, he's a six foot-five shooting guard with no real holes in his game. He can play on the ball, he can play as a secondary ball handler, he can shoot it, he can get to the basket, plays in transition. You know, he's got elbow at the rim athleticism. He can defend the other team's best perimeter guy. Um, you know he's kind of another guy in that spot. Donovan Clingan's another mountain of a man. He's just huge. He, and his uh, his size, his sheer size, I think is going to be an issue uh, when it comes to the Big East playing at UConn. Brendan Housen's another one who was unbelievable at Peace Jam. Um, I'm not sure if they, they didn't they didn't have anybody that was going to Kentucky, so I'm not sure if we watched them together. But he was unbelievable during Peace Jam, just doing everything he could for Team Griffin, shooting the ball, bring the ball to the floor, relocating, nonstop energy, and um, you know all that. stuff. He's, he's kind of another one that we're a little bit higher on. Terrace Reeds had a huge year um, this year. Patrick Wessler, somebody. Um, Thierry Nasilla is another player out of Canada um, that I really love. Six foot 11, kind of 210, 215, who's had a big year too. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of them. And, you know, I, as I said with these rankings, what I took the best pride in is that, is that we were able to have a conversation on our own accord and go by what we saw. We didn't look at other people's rankings. We didn't look and see, OK, so the industry has in here. Gosh, we have way higher. We, 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 we saw what we saw. And, um, you know, this is kind of what I made my career on since I've been in this industry is, is is possibly going against the grain and then looking back and being right. Obviously, nobody's ever going to be right 100 percent of the time when it comes to these rankings and stuff. But the snapshot that we were able to get, um, I'm very confident in one through one fifty. Um, and, and very excited about the future of, of, of on three. I think that, I think we have a great thing going. We have a good team going and um, you know, I'm, I'm just very excited uh, about the future of where we're at.
1: Well, Jamie, this was a lot of fun and uh, very much appreciate very you coming on and sharing it. some insights and, and, and just, Uh, Very insightful conversations, and I think that's something Kentucky fans are definitely going to appreciate as they uh, look to see just an inside look at at how you reach point A to point B, how how we got the final product with a lot of this stuff. Uh, I think it's it's definitely uh, more helpful than we've seen in the past with a lot of these other rankings where – uh, it, it just kind of is what it is. You agree with them or you don't. And it, there's never kind of that, uh, that conversation about it. I, I like that this is kind of become an open conversation and I hope we can continue to do this moving forward, whether we uh, agree on things, whether we disagree on things. I think that's kind of what's uh, so fun about having these open conversations. I think it's, that's kind of what this, this business is all about. And I think we need more of it.
0: Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And, and thank you. I can, I can go ahead and check off my bucket list of being uh being on your podcast. Um, uh, very, very excited to get the invite to come on, and I, I was nervous to talk to you, Jack. I, I, I was, I was nervous, man. Your, your, your reputations of of such as to where I, I didn't know if I could be able to
1: how it, how it would be. Well, uh, that's you're lying and you're too kind, but uh, I I appreciate that, <laughs> I appreciate and uh, yeah, this was a lot of fun, and we're definitely it grateful to to have you on. Um, let's let's out. wrap up and get out of here. Uh, tell fans where they can find your work
0: on three. Uh, on three.com basketball recruiting Uh, we're we're knocking out tons of stuff every single day Um, on twitter at jamie Shaw five on instagram at jamie underscore shawl five go ahead and check all that out and uh, leave me a message if you have any questions Um, you know don't hesitate
1: and be kind do not uh, do if you disagree with what he said Uh, Just just try to be kind. Well, let's uh, get out of here. One quick message from our friends at Prize Picks. The NBA season is well underway and there isn't a better way to enjoy watching your favorite former Wildcats play than by playing daily fantasy sports with our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the simplest form of real money daily fantasy sports and just pits you against the numbers, whether you're a fantasy sports nut or a casual basketball fan looking to add some excitement to the games. Prize Picks is the perfect game for you. You simply select two to five players and predict if they will go over or under their projection. Prize Picks gives you the chance to win 10 times your money for getting four or five predictions correct. Download the price Picks app or visit prizepicks.com and sign up using promo code PILGRIM. That's P I L G R I M to get an instant 100% bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. Don't forget that's the Prize Picks app or prizepicks.com using promo code PILGRIM to claim your bonus today and take your viewing of your favorite former Kentucky the Stars to the next level. That wraps us up for today. We'll be back for a preview episode of Kentucky's game uh, in Knoxville on Tuesday night against the uh, Tennessee Volunteers. It's going to be a great episode. Looking forward to getting back with our normal groove of things with these pregame and postgame shows. It's going to be a lot of fun. We will see you then.